0: episode of juicing the numbers your statistics and sports podcast i am one of your hosts joshua tracing
1: i'm the other guy Colin Miller.
0: and uh man oh man what a week it's been uh if you're listening to this you're listening to it uh, a little bit later than we typically release that is because uh, we were busy this weekend but there was so much to talk about we definitely want to make a point of getting something out so uh because there was no way in hell we were going to be like Wednesday's podcast, even though it'll be a short time between the two shows is still going to have plenty enough to talk about already.
1: And I mean, after what over a month of just sitting on our hands, having nothing to talk about, it's just like the floodgates have opened and there's no holding back.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's a lot here to get into. Um, so I guess first and foremost, the day after we recorded, uh MLB and the MLBPA came to an agreement on a new CBA and baseball is back. Woo!
1: April 7th opening day?
0: I believe so. Um or it's the 14th. It's something in April, who really cares? Um it doesn't matter. But regardless, it is it is a happy occasion and it's, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit Eh. At the same time, I guess I had and if you have listened to the show, you know, this is a very me problem. I had much higher expectations for what could be done, much higher hopes for what could be done. I got my hopes up very frequently on the show and I got my hopes up here that there will be uh, more, a little bit more. But uh, but they still got some some things which, which we will get into as we talk about the contract a little bit Um. But before we start talking details, per se, Corin, what was your impression when you heard the deal was signed?
1: Uh, My initial gut reaction was like, uh, oh, they definitely settled on something then. You know, that sucks. But baseball's back. If they're happy with the deal, they're happy with the deal. I kind of miss the whole drama with the players voting no. The player committee voting no, but the player as an organized, I don't really remember or recall what happened there. So I don't know if you know that off the top of your head.
0: Uh, yeah, the executive players committee, which is eight players, all, all voted no. But the wider um, group that consists of the, I guess, elected players union representatives voted yes by enough of a margin that it outweighed the no's. I think the total was like 24 to 12 or something like that where all the executive committee guys voted no and then four regular guys, but then everybody else voted yes.
1: Right. I saw that. And then it was what? The Yankees, the Mets, Nationals and Cardinals and the Astros that were all just like, fuck off. No,
0: I think. Yeah, I think there was something like that. I definitely remember the Yankees being there, but I don't really recall.
1: Not certain on the Mets, but the rest I am positive on. And I am really sad that we're not
0: going to get more negotiation points. As a guy that took some labor economics courses in college, I was kind of enjoying it from, from an academic standpoint. Um, plus, I mm-hmm. love arguing about labor shit, but uh, alas, alas, it has come to its conclusion. So I guess um, I guess let's get into some of the details. I have a very nifty thing up that will help us kind of navigate it a little bit Um. So the first thing is the term. This will be a five-year CBA that will expire on December 1st of 2026. So get your uh, engines roaring because come episode se- se- 700, we're going to do it all over again, baby. Um, they also ratify with this an expanded playoffs. There will now be 12 teams will make the playoffs in 2022. Uh, the Two division winners with the best record in each league will receive a bye. The third division winner will be the highest seed in the first round, and the wildcard team with the best record will be the next. These two teams will host a three-game first-round series. And starting in 2023, all teams will play each other in both leagues in a more balanced schedule. So a little bit more like what hockey does, uh, which is every team plays every team. Right now, the MLB right now MLB operates a little bit more like the NFL, where every team plays every team in their conference, and then one team from the other conference. Uh, so I guess let's tackle the first half of this, which, which will be the twelve team expanded, expanded playoffs. Um, I, I I don't like it because it devalues to a certain extent a very long regular season, but I I. It doesn't it doesn't bother me enough to where I'm going to be like I hate this forever. Right. We're I mean, expanding it's, it's playoffs what,
1: everywhere. Is it a two two team extra teams addition?
0: Yeah. You know, one extra wildcard it, team per league.
1: Right, which at the end of the day, you know, it's not something that's really going to make me care too much. Uh, I really don't think it's going to change baseball at its foundation and I'm sure it's something that, you know, I mean, look, we've, we've seen every sports league expand to some extent. If that's a concession they had to reach to get this done, I'm fine with that being one of the concessions. I feel like that's a, from a player's perspective and from a overall health of the sport perspective, I think that's kind of uh, easy keeled.
0: Yeah. I, I've also seen it, you know, batted around that it might be a proactive expansion under the guise of they might end up expanding the leagues a little bit, which hmm. we, this has been talked about forever, expanding the number of teams. Um, as of right now, I mean, of the, the major sports, baseball and basketball, I think of the two fewest with the NFL and the NHL both now having 32 teams and NBA and MLB only having 30. So the idea that it would be expanding is not radical. And if they were expanding the playoffs by two teams to be a little bit proactive about the number of teams going for an eventual like division realignment or whatever. All right. Sure. Whatever. I, again, it's not something that's going to bother me enough that we need to keep talking about it more. Uh, The next thing though, does actually bother me. I really don't like it. The idea of playing every team in baseball every season. Because we've talked about on the show, like one of the things I love about baseball versus the scheduling of the NHL is that because the NHL shoehorns you playing every team into its schedule, you only end up playing three games against your each divisional rival. And I'm sorry, but when you only play three games out of an eighty-two game schedule against a rival, are they that much of a rival? Like, yeah, the games will be hot, but it's like part of the fun of baseball is like we are going to play the Red Sox 19 times a year. And it will now be less than that. It'll probably it'll still be double digits if I had to guess. But it's not something I'm exactly excited about from that perspective.
1: I think and I, I don't remember exactly what I said the last time we discussed this. I am perfectly fine with this. I remember. Absolutely supporting the idea of playing your inner division rivals a significant amount more, but if it comes down to, okay, we play a bunch of two game series against teams from the other conference, the other division, uh, the other league, I should say, and you're still getting a dozen games against, you know, for the Padres, if you still get a dozen games against the Dodgers, a dozen games against the Giants, you know, the Yankees Red Sox are still going to have a dozen games. I, I get it not being 19 games. I get that it's not going to be, what, six series. But I think the idea of growing the sport means, hey, if you're a kid growing up in San Diego, no matter how much you don't really give a shit what the Yankees do during the regular season, being able to say, hey, we can go see the Yankees this year or damn, I haven't watched the Phillies game in five years. Get to go see them play at our home, you know, field this year. That'll be fun and exciting. I'm about it. As long as it's not like, all right, every team gets a four game series Every team gets at least one, three game series. We'll throw a couple other series in there. And all right, you'll play the Dodgers nine times. It's like, all right, I can live with this too. Uh, I think it will be fine. Yeah, I think I think it will be fine. As I cross my fingers and just hope they don't fuck this up like everything else.
0: If uh, I can stomach it, if it is a bunch of like two game series and they don't try to do the thing the NHL does, which is ah, Rangers, you are playing the Oilers in Edmonton and in New York. Right. Like if, if it's every. Or if it's team not a home you- and away. Yeah. Right, if it's on a home, because then we're talking a minimum of four games per additional team that you play. And that would be very annoying because now we're talking 40 games, 40 games a year that aren't against your own league or your own division.
1: And that'd and I mean, be a what, lot. What is it now? Like 12, maybe?
0: Uh well, if we it's call like- it. Because right now you play, like if the Yankees, if the AL East is playing the NL East, you would play a home and an away series. So right now it's, again, if we say it's a minimum of two series, two games in a series, which is it, is it not? Who knows um, what it averages out to? I mean, no, that would be, it's, there's five teams in the other division. So, you know, there and away that's, that's 40 games. So if they try doing that with each division it's we're talking, we're talking a lot of games. We're talking, or so not, 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 mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not 40 games. It's, uh, it's, it's half of that's 20 games. Um, so we're talking an additional 40 games, 20 games per, per extra division. And those, again, and those 40 games have to come from somewhere. And I, I'd rather yeah. if the Yankees are, you know, are in the AL East rather than be playing the AL East or at least playing other AL opponents, but, it would make the most sense for these games to come the, because, because the, as of right now, the AL East already plays one series in Houston and one series against Houston in the Bronx. So, mm-hmm. really, I don't know where they take these games from, aside from your division. Really, the only place it makes sense for these games to come from, which means if you're playing, we'll round it up: twenty games, uh, eighty games against your division, twenty times four. Well, now you're only going to be playing 40 games against your division. If again they do the the home and away for both for both division thing, uh, mm-hmm. and that that's 10 games per per team in the season, which is a huge reduction from the number of games it currently is. Literally cutting it in half.
1: Right. Which
0: that would that would suck a lot of dick. I agree. But who's or it ends up being just a home series or or away series in which case it's not that many more games cuz they'd probably also cut out one of the home or aways from the opposite league division you were already playing so instead it'll be you know again if the five teams per league two game series it's 10 games per division that's 30 games as opposed to the 20 games you were playing already so now the math is 70 games against your own division which would be what uh fucking 14 games per 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 team, some shit like that. Like, all right, that's fine. 12.
1: No, it's one. And I mean, every way I've seen it described from quote unquote insiders has been, you know, to some extent using the word balanced, which look, if it's balanced and that's how -hmm. they want to word it, that's kind of what you would expect from that. I will absolutely take it
0: what is bal- um, that that word bothers me in this context cuz it means not- balanced as compared to what like uh, like i i i understand compared there's a to general vibe, 10 games
1: but- against you know the opposing league versus 24 individual opponents in your division i could see why that would be unbalanced i would agree that's a little unbalanced uh, Look, well I, I don't have any insider information whatsoever i follow the same people on twitter you do i'm just saying Hey, if we're, you know, bringing it in three inches on each side, that's a little more balanced. I'll take it.
0: Uh, All right. The next rule change they discussed was there will be no game 163 anymore. In the event of ties, a formula will be used to break ties. Um, There will no longer be a game 163 should records be matched up. Which honestly In, feels like a weird concession given the expanding role of yeah. playoffs, because that game one sixty three, for all intents and purposes, is an extra wild card game. So it's a little weird.
1: But at the same time, like as much as my initial gut reaction, that was actually the first time I heard that. That same, uh, I'm reading some of these point. right off the jump. Um, my first thought is, oh, that sucks. Like it's just going to be some arbitrary formula. But at the end of the day, it's baseball. We played, you know five and seven game series, we play 162 games, it coming down to one start from one starter where one bad pitch can be the difference in your entire season. Okay. I kind of get going with, you know, a larger sample size on that than rather than let's hope our number one starters rested for this game. I don't know.
0: I don't really care about it.
1: it. Unless it's something outrageous. I think I'm okay with it.
0: All right. More rule changes. The universal designated hitter will be used in both leagues in 2022. We knew this one was coming. you talked about it plenty. I don't think there's really any point in dwelling on it. It's a good thing.
1: It is a good thing. All right. Uh, Great thing for Nelson Cruz.
0: Seven inning double headers and ghost runners in extra innings are gone for now.
1: I would have traded all of the other concessions just for this.
0: Yeah, this also was a good fucking who wants to watch seven inning doubleheaders were genuinely frustrating to watch because I never remembered the game was ending.
1: It feels like politics again, you know, the past couple of elections where it's like, I can't believe we're applauding fucking getting the basic rules of baseball back. Wow. I didn't think this had to be a negotiate negotiating topic. Yeah,
0: uh, this one really, I'm just going to read it and we can move right on past it because I don't really give a shit. A uh, committee, a competition committee comprised of six members appointed by the commissioner, four players, including at least one pitcher and one umpire, will review proposed changes beginning after the 2022 season, and changes may take place within 45 days after approval. So uh, who cares? It's, it's nothing that affects anything immediately. Uh, it's fine. Uh, all right, coming in 2023, rule changes, larger bases. First, second, and third base will go from 15 inches square to 18 inches square. This was a rule that was tried out in, I think, the Atlantic League or some minor uh, independent league, and then was tried out in the minor leagues. So it was, we've talked about this before too. It, it wasn't a guarantee that this one was coming, but we've talked about it under the guise of it coming for a while because it's been tried out in other leagues already under MLB guidance. Um, do you have anything creative to say about it?
1: I don't think this changes anything. I really, you know, if we see a 1% increase in stolen bases and 1% decrease in pickoff attempts, I would consider that a significant difference. I, yeah. I don't think we'll even see that.
0: I have a hard time picturing it as well because you got to, th- and uh, this is a little bit rehashing conversations we've already had about the topic, but at the same time, that's kind of why you talk about things again when they actually happen, um, mm-hmm. which is the, the rate of stolen bases per player, I think is going to be the most effective metric. Because if you think about it, any, any guy who tried to steal a base and was off by four inches, um, or sorry, two inches. Maybe now they, they get that stolen base, but now Mm -hmm. anybody who would have been off by four inches and not even been close will now be barely off. So you're still going to have all the bang, bang plays that you had previously. They're just going to be, adjusted to the ones that weren't bang-bang plays are now bang-bang plays. So mm-hmm. the rates might end up actually lining up. Like um a player might still still be able to steal. Uh, if he was able to steal 77% of his bases last year, he might be able to still He might still be stealing 77% this year. It's going to be... Did the number of attempts increase? And uh, how are we judging that success? Because there's also... Right. The idea, and we've talked about this in all types of contexts in sports, if you're doing something with 100% efficiency, chances are you're not doing it enough. If mm-hmm. you are able to complete 100% of your passes, then chances are you're not throwing enough or you're not throwing deep enough. And if you're able to yeah. steal 100% of your bases, chances are you're not stealing enough. And they're going to keep Unless pushing you to do Ricky more. He, he
1: attempted yeah. enough stealth bases.
0: Yeah, yeah, he, all, he, all, yeah he's. he's he, he broke the stolen base record and then played for 20 more years. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: um, so chances are if players, uh, all of a sudden, their rate of successful stolen bases climbs from 70% to 82%, you know, then, the, then their managers are going to say, well, we're stealing so many more bases successfully as a percentage, then we're going to increase the number of attempts you're going to have, which will ultimately, theoretically, drive down your success rate to be at a low point that we're comfortable with, but an increase in raw data that we think is worth it.
1: Mm-hmm. This is math. <laughs> Correct. We're not so, great at it, but we can do the basics. Yeah.
0: I don't know what 70 divided by four is. <laughs> I do not know, but I do know this.
1: Uh, 17 and a half.
0: It is 17 and a half. I, I did it on the calculator after I couldn't figure it out.
1: <laughs> uh, nice.
0: Um, Mental math, folks. Who <laughs> fucking needs it? Also coming in 2023. I'm, I'm, Sorry, go ahead.
1: I'm amazed I was able to do that that quickly under pressure. Uh, I do not have a great track record with that. Buddy, it was
0: nobody's pressure yeah. but your own. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there, too. I was not demanding this of you. Um. Anyway. Also coming in 2023, a 14-second pitch clock, maybe 19 seconds with a runner on base. So I guess there's still some wiggle room here. Uh I, I, another thing we knew was coming this this has been a thing in the minors this has been a thing in college this is not new at all. Um Moving on?
1: I'm not yeah I mean it's one of those things where like when it was first implemented what was it like 40 seconds like it was something stupid high where it didn't matter whatsoever.
0: I don't remember if it was something stupid high or it's like one of those it's technically in the rules but no one's enforced it mm-hmm. and we all forgot.
1: I don't really know. Right. And Look, if they start enforcing it more and more and kind of ease their way into this, I think it won't be a problem in five years, even if it is a problem right now. Um, You know, guys like you, Darvish, or whoever else is inherently slow on the mound. Look, if they start calling it here and there, you know, just enough to kind of drive the point home this season, I think it's going to be something people complain about a ton, and then everyone will get used to it for next year
0: again or not this season this one's unit. this one starts next year
1: right but yeah whatever just want mean. to be clear
0: yeah um, one more coming in 23 which is a ban on defensive shifts team must have two infielders on each side of second base uh, this one this one's contentious this one's really contentious yeah. we have uh, as with all of these rule changes that had because they've all been hypothesized and, and leaked in discussion many times we talked about this one too I'm not a fan. At this point, mm. uh, now that it's in the CBA, I can do nothing but shrug my shoulders. Um, having players seeing a weak ground ball slide through, like up the middle, is not the exciting offense people act like it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's a, it's an accident almost every time it happens. Um, and what's better is to train players. In my opinion to hit balls in the air and over the fence for home runs, because those are way more fun.
1: I, as much as I have dove, dove in, what is the past tense version of dive? Dives? Dove. Dove. It's just dove. As much as I've dove in, that just doesn't sound right, but I know it's correct. As much as I've dove into major league golf. Delve, I think is a
0: better word for your, for what you're going to hear.
1: Yeah, delved into golf. As much as I've gotten into <laughs> professional golf, the big consensus of is the tour protecting players too much is a very hot topic issue. Um, I think that's just what we're seeing here of, all right, we know the excuse is just learn to fucking hit to the other side. <laughs> Clearly, we've seen guys that just are truly incapable of doing so. And I think this is just one of those. All right. We tried, you know, this is getting out of hand. Clearly these guys can adapt quickly enough or well enough or enough to be a visual, you know, difference. Well, let's just fucking go back to normal baseball and, you know, see if we can get some, you know, these are major league players, you know, we protect our guys. Let's just, do a move solid on this
0: one. Well, it, you got to also, you got to ask yourself, who are we protecting? Cause it's not, the league is not full of only hitters. It is full of pitchers and the shift helps pitchers. So it's, it, it's helping one hand to hurt the other. you know, it's, it's not, yeah. it's a, it's a net neutral because you're not helping as much as you're hurting. You're not hurting as much as you're
1: helping. You know what I mean? I mean that is but very I, true, but we've very much seen that they give much less of a fuck about pitchers than they do hitters.
0: As well, they should. You know, pitching, um, I was supposed to say it's easier than hitting. I'll put it the other way around. Hitting is much harder than pitching. Uh, No, getting on base is much harder than making an out. I'll put it that way.
1: Getting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in all the sports. They're trying to make it not quite as much of a – Yeah, getting um, on –
0: they're trying to make getting on base easier. Again, my, my issue is it's not even the hitting the other way part. I, I, that part is fucking is what it, you can't just t- say to a guy hit the other way. You see that? You see that spot over there? Yeah, hit it over there. Yeah. Hit a fucking over there, you dumb bitch.
1: Oh, you can only you know what? hit a cut. Guess what? Go hit, go hit a draw on this hole. Guess just what, guess guy? What? I if can. players,
0: if players could pick where the ball was going off their bat, they'd never make an out in their entire yeah. fucking lives. If a player yeah. has that type of autonomy over where a ball will go, why would it ever go to a fielder? It yeah. never would. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not saying this is going to lead to hitters becoming more slap hitters, but I think that's part of the problem is that this is a rule. that's not really addressing a root cause of anything. The reason there is a reduced amount of players reaching first base, maybe, you know, in, in good part due to the shift. I I think that it really does help a good defense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it's not from weak ground balls that find or not weak ground balls, but like, relatively well-hit ground balls that are going right to guys that are positioned well, it's because pitchers are fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And this is nothing to address the fact that hitting a slider that can move an almost physically impossible amount is too hard to hit for your average major league baseball player. This is really addressing the worst part of the fact that pitchers are so dominant which is balls that didn't get hit well enough to really be exciting are, are, are now going to be able to get guys on base. And that's, that's not what anyone cares about. Mm -hmm. That's not the issue. Yeah. So again, what are we going to say about it now? It's a rule now, you know, we'll keep an eye on it and see if it becomes, Hey, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And uh, weak ground balls up the middle are the most exciting part of the game, and I'm just an idiot. Um, like who? Who knows, Big Buddy? But at the same time, it's like uh, the real issue for why there's a reduced amount of non-home run offense, which I'm not even sure is really the case, but that feels like the perception behind this rule is the fact that pitchers are stupid good. That that's 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 the yes. problem.
1: Correct. But, Look, if it means. More guys get on base so that there's more Grand Slams and Slam Diego. I'll take it. That's what we have to give up? Okay. I'll make it happen. How, so many, we'll say- how many points do you have left uh, on your list? Was that the last one?
0: No. Right. There are many. Got it. I'm, we're, we'll, we'll start moving through these a little bit faster. We're going to have a lot less to say about some of the later points.
1: I, I just have a question I've just thought of or when we finish you go until you think we've passed the point of us giving a shit.
0: Sure. You write it in the chat. So you don't forget. I'm going to close the chat. So it doesn't ruin it for me. Uh, all right. So that brings us to minimum salaries, which was a big discussion point in negotiations that had been brought up constantly. Um, so mm-hmm. what's happening with it is the minimum league minimum salary will increase from six, sorry, from $570,500 to $700,000 starting in 2022, starting this year. And then we'll increase $20,000 per season through the life of the CBA. So in 2026, the final year of the CBA, minimum salary will be $780,000. Mm-hmm. I, I think we can agree while obviously the league association, the player association wanted more. This is still a pretty decent step forward.
1: It's a very good first step. Yeah. But well, I, I honestly, I don't remember what any of the comparisons were for the other leagues, but by all means, for what we have here, good first step. You're right.
0: Now, this still doesn't address one of the main issues behind, shall we say, poverty in the minor leagues, which is the fact that. MLB organizations, minor league organizations classify their players as seasonal employees. So they don't have to be paid year round. They get paid hourly. They get paid like shit. So this again really only applies to, you know, players who are on the 40 man and who are uh, actively called up to the majors you're on the 26 man roster, like, and playing for the Mets, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, as we discussed, when we talked about why this is such an issue because your ability to make a normal human salary it comes down to like 10 days in the majors. Like that's it. 10 single games, 10 individual games with your major league team can d- d- be the difference between making $11,000 a year and $70,000 a year, which depending on the area that you live in might not even be that much um, looking at like the Brooklyn Cyclones. But regardless, this is a good step forward. There's now a different issue to be addressed once we finally unionize the minors. Um, all right, so then let's keep it going. Oh, actually, I have the minor league minimum pay scale here as well. You want to hear what it is? Sure. I didn't realize I had this. This is uh,
1: sixty-five bucks a, a day.
0: You're yeah, really not far off, you're, dude. You're really, you're really not far off. Hold on, that's that's really sad. Hold on, one second. Um, because was I just said I can't do the mental math right now. Oh, you're really close.
1: <laughs> I picked a disgustingly low number, and I am gutted that you are saying those things.
0: So I'll start AAA. No, I'll start rookie and work my way up. Rookie minor league salaries, minor league minimum pay for a rookie, which is uh, below low A, is $400 a week. <laughs> So actually, if a week is seven days, because I used five days because it's business days, but baseballs get played gets played every day. So I actually did it wrong. Sixty five dollars a day would be a raise. Um, at seven days a week, that's fifty seven dollars a day. Four hundred dollars a week. Four hundred dollars a week for a twenty three week season, which puts them at ninety two hundred dollars for the year.
1: Dude, you wait tables three day weekend, and that's easily four hundred bucks holy shit dude
0: so then we have high A and low A which apparently make the same minimum salary per per week which is $100 higher it's $500 a week
1: oh shit dude go buy a fucking house with that money
0: which comes out to $71 per day in a 7 day week and $11,500 in a 23 week season it's really bad double A so double A we're talking about like A double-A player will get called up to the majors. It just depends on how the positions shake out. Like If you got a a killer third-base prospect at triple-A, you might still have a really solid third-base prospect at double-A. And depending on how you would like to manipulate their service times, you might end up bringing up the double-A prospect over the third-base prospect um, if someone gets hurt and you need a guy. Uh, this all actually also happens with rehabbing guys a lot. Like Zach Britton, when he had to do a rehab stint for the Yankees, did it at double A um, Somerset Patriots instead of triple A Scranton Railriders Riders because there was no good spot for him to take with the Rail Riders. So, double A, we're talking real players at this point. I, I'm not trying to diminish the other guys, but these are players that, again, you will see on your team mm-hmm. in the season on TV. Yeah.
1: $600 a week. Guys who will be playing next to five hundred million dollar men like Mike Trout and Moncada. Six hundred
0: dollars a week, eighty five dollars a day in a seven day week, thirteen thousand eight hundred dollars in a twenty three week season. Six hundred dollars a week. You're AAA guys, the guys that are, by all means, one single step down from the majors. Now, granted, it's a very big step. It's a very big step. One step though. Minimum salary, seven hundred dollars a week. One hundred dollars.
1: So, by by all means, the basic genesis of how we compare players in Major League Baseball is war. Correct? You would agree that that is the, you know, top of the pyramid when it comes to comparison stats.
0: It is what war is good for. Yes. <laughs>
1: Did you know that War and Peace was originally called War? What is, what it, good is it good for? for? Oh boy, um, the R in War is making seven hundred dollars a week for all intents and purposes. That's kind of fucked.
0: So At when, minimum, yes,
1: when Chris Davis is making what was it, ten million dollars, fifteen million dollars. million a year, whatever his fucking outrageous contract was. I got to look that up so I can actually uh, give him some shit when he's making that much money and doing significantly worse than a guy making $700 a week. That's a problem. Uh, $10 million a year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if, uh, if 700, if $700 a week sounds like a lot of money to you, you're old, you're very old. You, you, uh, you need to start researching retirement homes because you're fucking old and out of touch. So maybe find a retirement home that has like a TV in it that you could watch um, uh, so that you can keep up with the fucking times
1: because gas
0: is $5 a gallon.
1: $700 a week for whatever, whoever the AAA first baseman for the Orioles is um, versus $176,000 per week for Chris Davis.
0: Yeah. And that's not to say, well, Chris Davis was overpaid because he didn't perform, but that's not to say that your average player who makes that amount of money is overpaid, because as a share of revenue that the league generates, they are not. But, oh my God, is the player below them in the system colossally underpaid. Um,
1: Uh, Yeah, you are 100% correct. That's not saying Chris Davis is exorbitantly overpaid just because he sucks at baseball now. It is just how dramatically and un- fucking fathomably underpaid minor league baseball players are
0: so we're going to keep pushing because this is again and it's been one of the biggest issues in labor baseball discussions for years we're not solving it right now we've talked about it a lot already Corwin what's up
1: you want to take a guess at how much war Chris Davis has been worth since 2017
0: it's got to be negative I can't imagine it's positive so I will I will say negative one
1: so 2015, he was 14th in MVP voting. 2016, uh, still hit 38 home runs. And then from 2017 through 2020, um, he has been worth uh, uh, negative 5.8 more. Oh, my God. It's so much worse. Yeah.
0: I thought negative one was mean, honestly. I was like, like they got to been a lot of like, negative 0.5s
1: 0. and zeros. Going back from uh, his most recent season, negative one, negative one, negative 3.3 in 2018 and negative 0.6.
0: I lived through that season and must have talked about it a bunch and I completely forgot that number. That's disgusting. Mm
1: -hmm. 4.9 war in 2015. Wow. Even if you throw that in, that is still net negative.
0: All right. So this next one is uh, an interesting one that is also genuinely a positive development. Um, the money is not huge necessarily, but still a, a good step, which is pre-arbitration bonuses. So as we discussed on the podcast, arbitration only happens after like the third year in the league. Uh, and outside of that, you're just that minimum or um, sorry, not that minimum, uh, uh, minimum, rookie minimum. So what what the pre-R bonus system is going to look like is it is for players who are not yet eligible for arbitration, and then they may receive bonuses based on their performance. So, Because basically what would happen is if I am rookie phenom, uh, what was our made-up player's name? Winker Suarez. (laughs) If I'm rookie phenom Winker Suarez, (laughs) um, and I win MVP my rookie year, Bryce Harper, essentially. Um, Essentially,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't get money for that. <laughs> I, I get no money for that. I get absolutely nothing for doing that because I am on rookie minimum. So what this is saying is if you do something as a pre-ARB player, we will give you additional dollars. Uh, it breaks out as such MVP or Cy Young, two and a half million. Second place in either of those awards, 1.75 million. Third place for either of those awards, one point five million. Fourth or fifth place for either of those awards, five hundred thousand dollars. Winning rookie of the year is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Rookie of the year second place is five hundred thousand dollars. So the, those first four categories, uh, the likelihood of a rookie winning MVP or Cy Young is usually pretty low. So There's, or even finishing top five is usually pretty low. So the odds of them that happening in the first place is relatively small. But someone will inherently get. The other two positions, the way that it then shakes out is the rest of the of the bonus pool money will be divided amongst the top 100 performers in the service class based on a formula that has been yet to be determined, but will likely be be based on a variation of war and players may only receive one bonus award per season. So you can't, uh, I guess, get I guess if you win rookie of the year and MVP, you don't get to combine those two things. Which, uh, whatever. A different conversation. Um, what are your this thoughts? Is on this is weird because if
1: you're winning MVP and Rookie of the Year, you probably should be getting a good chunk of change.
0: Well, but I uh, think it's really more interesting if means- you imagine finishing fifth in MVP and second in Rookie of the Year, which would only be a million dollars, but they only pay you half of that. Because yeah, each one yeah. is. 500 grand, like just fucking it's a million dollars. You're a billion dollar team. Who gives a fuck? Whatever.
1: Honestly, it's just if you win rookie of the year, great. He has a million dollars. If you win MVP, chances are you're winning rookie of the year, too. You're just not getting anything for having a historic season versus a very good season. Right. Um, But what do you think
0: about the the I- latter part of it, the the 100 100- top performers in the class getting something?
1: Um, I mean, I like it. I, I like that it is a rather large chunk of people going back to golf. I mean, they have something similar that they just implemented for the first time where it was only top 10 in this arbitrary ranking. And everyone's just kind of like, all right, well, top 10 fucking golfers in the world are going to be on that fucking list in the world don't need a fucking payout to keep them afloat. So I'm glad it's top 100, which is, you know, a much nicer inclusion of guys. But at the end of the day, it's like, all right, still a top chunk of those guys aren't the ones who need that bonus.
0: I I have issues and reservations with this. Mm. Um, One of which is that the MLB itself doesn't have a determination for war they don't have their own war you know they they're going to use uh, from what we've heard prior to to the cba being signed they were planning on using something like fan graphs, and that's a horrible and unfair position to have to put fan graphs in um there should be something if they want to do that they should develop something from within which i who knows if they'll actually do um and this is not a lot of money this is a concession really from the idea of lowering the the number of, of years of service time to be arbitration eligible. That's where this came from. And if you think about how, many, how much money would it have gotten tossed around in, in arbitration versus $50 million, it's a lot more money than $50 million. But as a positive, again, this is something new. And this number, one would hope, will only increase or lead to a change starts to slowly acclimate the idea of paying your younger guys more money. And that is progress, even if it's not as dramatic as we would have wanted. So yeah. it sucks. But you if you consider the fact that chances are everyone who would be eligible for this money would have also been receiving league minimum, at least, which just went up a pretty decent amount. Um, And there's a chance for them to receive some additional monies. That is always a good thing. So not what I, not as much as I would have wanted, but again, that's negotiation. So I guess it is what it is. All right. So the next one, service time manipulation. So the top two players in rookie of the year voting must receive at least a full year of service time, regardless of when they were called up. Teams that promote a player to the opening day roster and keep him up for a full season will be eligible to receive up to three draft picks if the player finishes top three in rookie of the year voting or top five in MVP Cy Young voting before he is eligible for arbitration. And a player must be optioned to the minors, sorry, may be optioned to the minors no more than five times in one season. So there's a lot to digest with this one.
1: Yes. I don't think I quite digest it all.
0: So the basic premise here is MLB is saying to to the owners or GMs, whoever, we will give you three more draft picks if you keep a guy up for the full season. Uh, If you give if if your players win rookie of the year, but the only way we're going to award them rookie of the year is if you keep them up for a full season. We're not going to give Rookie of the Year to a guy. So I, I I guess in this instance, like Gary Sanchez's 2016 season, when he got called up in like August and almost won Rookie of the Year,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: would assume that he would not have been eligible for voting that year because he was not called up for the full season. Now that different conversation around service time manipulation, um, it really could just be <laughs> that the Yankees knew that they were, weren't going to the playoffs that year and called up guys. It happens. Uh, But I think the general idea is that you're not going to hold a guy down um, who is supposed to be very, very good and then have them win rookie, be eligible for rookie of the year, an award that you now benefit from as a team because you get more draft picks, uh, but you didn't have them play Mm -hmm. the whole season. so.
1: I really just don't see this making too much of an impact if that's truly just, hey, you can't win rookie of the year unless you play a full season if you don't really play a significant chunk of the season to begin with, you're not winning rookie of the year. That's very, very, very difficult. Again, I think this is going to only affect generational type prospects who by all means are the only guys who can come in and play half a season and be able to make enough of an impact to win rookie of the year. It's an improvement. I don't think it's going to be a crazy difference.
0: Well, it, it really – it is tough to gauge how much of a difference this will be because it's tough to understand how much MLB teams value their young talent and value draft picks because that's really what it's going to come down to. Because if I am uh, the GM of the Cincinnati Reds, who cares? And I think draft picks are the, are way more important – than paying a kid league minimum versus paying him triple um, A minimum, then I'm going to have that kid be up the full season instead of continuously optioning him up and down or not having him start the season. Because again, has to be a full season in the majors. Uh, well, then I might have him up the whole season so I could get those draft picks, if that's how my math shakes out. Versus having him stay down, until whenever his service clock jumps forward. Because that's the other part of it that's weird. Like when Gleyber Torres got called up by the Yankees. Now, I really don't remember how these service clock things work. I'd have to look it back up because I do not remember. But his year of service time went forward in like June. It It was weird. And so the Yankees, who needed a second baseman slash shortstop while they were waiting for him, held off on doing anything until his service clock moved forward a year or reset in June to being a, a whole new year to bring him up. Now he didn't win rookie of the year that year, but in that instance, because they held him down in the minors until they could get an extra year of service time from him, he would not be eligible for the award and the team would then not be eligible to receive additional draft compensation.
1: I remember the exact same thing playing out with Yohan Makata, where it was, we all know Yohan Makata is getting called up, but we have to wait until the clock moves in June, which isn't the draft in June. So that would just, Oh, that would be why it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're right.
0: Yeah. And so it's that, and and we see it with like, seemingly at least one good prospect every season is Mm -hmm. um, if we wait till after June, then their clock doesn't really start. So we'll wait until after June, even though we really need an outfielder or second baseman or catcher or whatever. Right. Um, but then that then you're risking losing a draft pick. So it's pretty, I think you're right. I think this is pretty lukewarm. Um, and, and again, we do not know how the front offices of any MLB team values anything. Not really. We really don't. So how valuable this is to be seen. Now, if MLB makes other changes, like making draft picks tradable, well, all of a sudden this actually becomes really valuable because now we're not just talking about having some extra picks in like the third round or something. We're talking about extra capital that can be moved for better players, for reduced salary to the players that you do have if you want to try to dump salary, a whole bunch of other stuff. But as of right now, we have no idea. So it's tough to really gauge how dramatic of an effect this would have if it's dramatic at all. All right, competitive balance tax. The lowest threshold will increase from 210 million to 230 million. The highest threshold with increased penalties are set at 20 million intervals. And a new fourth tier will be at the highest level. Uh, The tax rates and penalties remain the same except for the new tier. So here are how the tiers will pay out. The first threshold, again, was $230 million. Your first time going over it, you have to pay a 20% uh, tax. Second time going over it is 30. Third time going over it is 50. The second threshold is 250 third million. Third
1: consecutive, correct?
0: Yes, third consecutive, consecutive right. years. Second threshold is 250 million. Your first time doing that, it's a 32% tax. After that, it's 42%. After that, it's 62%. Third tier is 270 million. So again, 20 million intervals. Uh, First time breaking it is 62.5%. Then 75% the second year. Third year is 95%. And the newest fourth tier is uh, 290 million. And your first time doing it, it's an 80% tax. Second time is a 90% tax. Third time is a 110% tax. Um, So there we have it. The, oh, sorry. One more part. The, the, the first year threshold, sorry, the, the lowest threshold will also increase slightly every year remaining at $20 million increments. So the, the distance between the tiers will still stay the same,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but the threshold will be 230 for the first tier in 2022. And then it'll be 233, 237, 241, 244, not big increases, but I, I guess they'll keep up with a, more normal rate of inflation than we currently have.
1: What is so? What is the current lowest tier versus the implemented new first tier? What's the difference?
0: $20 million. Happening? It was currently 210, it was going up to 230 this season. Okay.
1: Got it. Um, just looking at the 26 man payrolls currently for MLB. Dodgers are at two thirty one, next highest. Yankees are at two eleven, Padres are three at one eighty four. I I don't think. Oh wait, sorry. Oh, it includes injured reserve for total payroll. No, because that wouldn't count against this number, right?
0: Yes, it's just that IR minute. counts towards payroll, but. Teams okay. like that because it means that they don't have to spend much money and player contracts are insured. So the teams actually Got it. aren't paying IR player contracts, but the money does count against their salary.
1: It. So it's really only hurting the Yankees and the Dodgers for IR. Look, it, I mean, it's 231, 225 for Dodgers and Yankees. And then the next highest is 184, then 183, 182. You know, there's a definite drop down tier wise. Uh, I know we'll see this come into effect. I I don't think it's going to be a drastic change. If anything, hopefully it just increases player contracts moving down the road.
0: Right. Um, So how the competitive balance tax proceeds are distributed has also changed. 50% 50% of competitive balance tax penalties will go into player retirement accounts, and the other 50% will go to a new discretionary fund for revenue-sharing payees based on a formula to include non-media local revenue, i.e. gate receipts which fluctuate with winning. Um, which I don't know where that's a change from, so I, 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 I don't know enough to really say anything about it. All right, so let's keep moving again. We're, we're, we're starting to reach a little bit more of the end here. Uh, there's a lot that changed, but whatever. International draft, which we talked about as being
1: – actually, did we
0: talk about the idea of an international draft?
1: Uh, I don't think we have.
0: I don't remember if it was something we talked about because, you know, MLB tried to throw it in at the last second to torpedo another negotiation round. Um, it's a bad idea well we got too much other stuff to talk about that's a bad idea um, the current hard bonus limit system will remain in place for 2022 players and owners may agree by July 25th to implement an international draft to begin in 2024 if the parties agree on the international draft there will be no compensation paid by teams for signing free agents if there is an international draft there's some details we're not going to get into um if they don't agree by the 25th, then the qualifying offer, which was theoretically tied to this, will be reinstituted and they will be, they'll renegotiate the international draft later. It's a bad idea. There's not a lot of details here. The, the details that are here don't even matter until something gets agreed upon. We have to, too much others stuff to talked about. Let's just ignore it. I also have a question.
1: Um, I know we haven't talked about this. I would think that the Draft is bad because it takes away so much freedom from international players and takes away a ton of incentives for teams to try to make a hospitable atmosphere for international players. And at this point, it's just going to be the Orioles and the Pirates getting top of the national free agents where they're going to waste away for however long. Uh, what are your just basic foundational thoughts on this?
0: Drafts are meant to suppress earnings. That is what they are there to do. Got it. And to a certain extent, we can. You, there are arguments to be made for competitive fairness, which does not apply with international draft and really has been a reduced factor for all major league sports associations um, in the mm-hmm. country. But the reason it'd be so detrimental for an international draft is a lot of these players come from very poor countries. And a lot of them come from not great financial situations in which getting a big signing bonus is the reason they've devoted so much of their life to playing baseball. It's, it's, it's not just, I'm get to play for the, for the A's and I get to play for the Astros. It is that I get the chance to get paid a fucking a million dollar signing bonus like not even big by signing bonus money. And that will take care of my family for uh, not forever, but like for a, a little while because we don't have much. And, and it's a very privileged perspective to say, oh, we'll just fucking draft them. Like we do with every other league because who cares when it, it, it's, it's a different economic system entirely. And we've had foreign born players come out and say this will decimate baseball in the DR, in Venezuela, in Curaçao, like countries where the idea of playing baseball isn't like a fun thing that your dad takes you to on Saturdays. It's I'm not actively working a job right now because there is the potential earning so much more in baseball With the signing bonus, like right away to help my family, not getting stuck in a minor league team, making, you know, player minimum for six years, then getting up into the majors where I can play make um, rookie minimum for another three years and then arbitration money after that, where I'm really not sending any money home for years, for like almost a decade. It's that I can have money that can help my family today and then start really working towards building an actual future financially.
1: That makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. This. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. It's that's why like, it's tough to even talk about these because I can't, it's not going to be popular with, with the Latin players. It, it really is not um, uh, free agent compensation. I'm going to ignore some of that for now. Uh, it looks like they're doing a draft lottery. First six selection, six selections will be for the draft lottery. Um, that's what NBA does, right?
1: Yeah, and hockey.
0: Yeah. All right. So then that seems pretty much pretty normal.
1: Revenue sharing teams will both, continue I would to play. Put... Just on the draft lottery, I think it's both in hockey and basketball. It's viewed as a positive thing for it is. I was just wondering working. if
0: it was the first six picks or not. But I think it's first first like eight in the NBA. Oh wow. Yeah. Regardless, um, actually, I think that, and I thought that NHL was one of the top three. but I don't remember. Um, revenue sharing teams will continue to put forty-eight percent of net local revenues into revenue sharing. Oakland A's are restored as a revenue sharing payee. Players' grievances against the A's, Rays, Pirates, and Marlins remains unsettled. Um, I don't really care very much. Four for the uh, NBA. Four for the NBA. All right. Uh, there's a lot of other smaller points. It's not that I don't care by the way about that thing up there. it's just it's it's a bigger conversation that I don't have enough information in front of me right now that I don't uh, I, we don't have the time to really get into. Uh, small stuff that's in there just gonna bang through these real quick sponsor patches and helmet decals. Clubs will be allowed to make sponsorship agreements for patches on jersey sleeves and decals on helmets estimated value of six to eight million dollars per team per year. Salary Need arbitration it, agreements. Yeah, I know. It's tacky and shitty, but it, not unexpected. Salary arbitration agreements are now guaranteed one-year contracts. There must be an agreement, no hearing. The players were previously oh, – I'm sorry. The, con, the arbitration agreements were previously not guaranteed. Uh, 500 million grievance from 2020 dismissed. Players fired, filed a grievance for 500 million due to MLB scheduling only 60 games in 2020. That grievance is officially dismissed. Sports betting, a new policy is created for the players governing com- commercial arrangements with sports betting companies. Roster size, MLB will continue the 26-man roster limit, increasing to 28 in September with a limit of 13 pitchers on the roster and 14 in September. And the trade deadline commissioner may set the major league trade deadline on a date between July 28th and August 3rd, which I feel is pretty in line with normal. So I don't really know why that's a point. Um That's a lot. It's a whole bunch. Um, Not too much in there with the hidden gems that I really care that much about. Yeah. All right. Any final notes on any of this stuff? All right. What was your CBA question? Now that we're kind of wrapped up with that part of it.
1: What do you think is going to be the largest topic of contention in the next negotiation?
0: What is going to be the driving factor? Oh, man, that's a great question. Well, so one of the things that was uh, rumored last week during the talks is that because Apple TV came out and and announced that they have a, a partnership with MLB and that Friday Night Baseball will now be displayed on Apple TV. And apparently MLB did not want that getting out because it was in the middle of CBA negotiations and they didn't want players to have another reason to be like, we want more money. Uh, But Apple said, fuck you, we have an Apple event. like We're not holding it back. Eat my dick. And they did it. And apparently from what we have heard rumblings of on the internet, there are more of those coming down the pipe. If that's the case, I would imagine that there might end up being more of a focus on I, I and again, I don't know too much about the on, on the side of non-local media deal revenue sharing, but I'd imagine that there has to eventually be more of an investigation on the player side of things of some of these financials, because it seems like baseball keeps making money hand over fist and their money is not making its way down. Uh, so that I'd also imagine arbitration for the younger players is going to come up again. It came up this time. Every, you know, the players wanted second year guys to be eligible and they were only able to get that bonus pool money we talked about. So I'd imagine that'll become a much bigger sticking point. Uh, and maybe salary floor, I'd say the idea of a salary floor. What, about you? what do you think?
1: I'm not smart enough to have a preference based off of my own innate knowledge um, based off of all of the discussions we've had. Yeah. I, I think I'd rather have a salary floor because I give much, I think the pirates and the Orioles having $20 million payrolls is much worse for the sport than the Yankees potentially having $250 million payroll. You know, I would be more worried about guys Making X amount of money rather than you know preventing guys from making X amount of money. Um, because I mean roster numbers aren't going to change. I'd rather have guys have a minimum salary than potentially a maximum salary based off of market rates. So yeah, I think I went with you on that. And
0: I mean, we'll, we'll see what would be great is if in the next five years, the, the minor leagues also unionized and maybe had a seat at the table, that would also be great,
1: but yeah, excellent. I very much would think that the owners would never allow such a thing to happen, but Hey, if that's something we could talk about and be a part of it, look, if we could get them fucking negotiating for themselves as a part of the VA and and have them have a united voice. I think that would go a long way. And I think if that was the hill they were willing to die on to make sure it's in the next CBA, I think it would do nothing but help.
0: Uh, so there's also been some signings and some trades. I say with our current runtime, um, maybe we save that for uh, next episode. Mm-hmm. Just And hey, it oh, gives no, us man. a little bit more time to get some more breaking deals. We, we heard that there was going to be a flurry of deals. And while things have certainly happened, not a lot of big, like one and a half big things have happened.
1: Um, One very big thing and one pretty big thing that will inevitably lead to other very big things happening. Yeah.
0: So we'll, we'll save it for, uh, I guess the Thursday show. So last thing before we go we're not going to talk any football outside of this just because it was pressing and ah, fucking annoying. Tom Brady is what it is. Tom Brady is back. Um, he, he, he was gone for a mere moment and realized I fucking hate my kids. I hate my wife. He realized he's been a bad parent the whole time and he's not fixing it.
1: Um, yeah, he was like, ah, shit. I did a number on these guys with the open mouth kissing and just, you know, not being here. Um, I could have just followed me around yeah, slobbering in my mouth. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather slap guys on the ass and shove my hands in uh, Ryan Jensen's ass, you know?
0: Yeah, he, he decided he wasn't going to reach his, the, where he wanted to be in terms of his pliability by being at home. Not pliable enough at home. True pliability comes from the locker room.
1: Oh, I don't like the way you say that. But. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, and it, it's... Weird. It's very weird because, what, two months ago, uh, if you said Tom Brady was playing next year, I'd be like, fucking, of course he is. Yeah. He just had a monster season. He,
1: of he course was he one of the two guys who could have possibly won MVP this year.
0: Yeah, so, like, uh, no shit, he's coming back again. And, you know, when a guy of his reputation and status retires... It really has a feeling of finality to it. Like, I, you know, I know that there's like the Brett Favre's in the world who, who like waffled back and forth, but I think for the most part, it really hasn't happened where guys have dipped out and dipped back in, especially that have accomplished as much as he has accomplished. And granted, no one's accomplished as much as he's accomplished. He has the most, he has more Super Bowl rings than any one team does. Uh, but usually, I, f- it feels like, anyway, If you are going to make that decision with all that you've accomplished, with all the income you've made, with with all the years that you've played, if you are going to come to that conclusion, I can't imagine you're doing it without anything other than complete certainty. And so it is just a little bit weird that he is backing out of it, not unjustified, but just kind of weird
1: do you think Adam Schefter's leak of his retirement kind of put the pressure on him to where he was still kind of going through that decision process and was just kind of like, fuck. All right. Yeah. You know what? That does sound pretty good. Let's retire and just enjoy life. And then was actually like, wait, no, what the fuck am I doing? Uh, That's not the decision I wanted to make.
0: I, I, I don't think so. And I don't know anything. You know, we as little as we know about the inner workings of how much MLB teams care about their draft picks. I know even less about what goes into the mind of Tom Brady on a day to day basis. Um, But if I had to guess. And really, again, based on absolutely nothing, Mm -hmm. it was very easy for him in a certain way to say, yeah, I'm going to retire. And then it was very hard for him to have to mentally adjust the idea that I am about to retire. Like I'm sure that his routine started changing. Or at least his routine was allowed to change. And maybe that did not settle well with him. Some guys retire and are and very much so look forward to the lifestyle change. You know, Joe Thomas, when he retired from the Browns, lost a ton of weight because he hated being so heavy to play left tackle and really wanted to be trimmer and he lost a bunch of weight. Um, CC Sabathia hated having a bunch of weight too because it felt like it made him a good pitcher, and he wanted to lose a bunch of weight, and he did that. And some players go the other way around; some players gain a bunch of weight because they hated working out constantly uh, and I having to be in shape.
1: Be fucking fat! It's, gonna be,
0: it's never going to happen. Gonna
1: start eating screen. strawberries. He's going to eat some McDonald's for the first time, and he's
0: gonna yeah, That'll fat. happen when his hairline recedes, which will be never. No, because
1: um, he's rich and he can afford to never have his hairline recede.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and and so I can't help but think that, like you know. Maybe like Giselle was like, you know, Tom, you can have donuts now. Like, what do you got to work out for? Like, You earned it. Kick back, buddy. And he was like, I don't know how to process this. All I know is football and kissing kids on the mouth. I don't know how to process
1: this. He finally got a honey-do list because he doesn't have the excuse of, oh, I need to prepare for the season. And he's like, I am not fucking ready to start mowing my own goddamn log.
0: He finally realized how much more money his wife makes than him (laughs) and is like, oh, fuck. Oh, God damn it. I got to go bump up those career earnings.
1: I just. I wish the Bucks had signed someone before he announced coming back, so he had to go to a new team. Not the Steelers because they were in the market for like a quarterback, but like just go to some random fucking nowhere team the Colts and just yeah just no cuz they would be unstoppable. I know, I want to see it <laughs> go to the Colts. Why do you want to see Tom Brady be on an unstoppable team again? I I kind of just
0: I kind of just want to see the Colts just be ridiculous. I yeah. even if it meant Tom Brady, but no oh, It would be
1: so stupid fucking good.
0: It would oh, be Oh, you know it would be hilarious. Real. The Vikings. <laughs>
1: That would have been fucking funny. Both making a stupid amount of money.
0: They can afford one wide receiver, the other one has to line up.
1: (laughs) You're literally forced to allow Justin Jefferson, just a historically good young wide receiver, to walk because you can't re sign him. You just have to have a bunch of rookie offensive playmakers. You can never re sign anyone. That would be amazing. That would be really
0: great. I do hate though that like when he unretired, he said he had unfinished business. My friend, you have finished no. every business there is to finish. Like I wish a player would unretire or like say something mm-hmm. instead of saying I have unfinished business, really be honest and be like, I couldn't emotionally handle leaving the sport. Like be be honest. Don't say you have unfinished business. Like this is a fucking 80s action movie and you have to go kill the guy that kidnapped your daughter. Like, like mm-hmm. be real, be a
1: human being. You are the only person in the history of sports who can truly say, I am completely finished with all I could possibly accomplish. I have done. There's business. nothing left for me to achieve. Yeah. Business is done. The NFL should retire rather than me.
0: I am they Mr. The business.
1: Stop playing. The yeah.
0: cat from Bob's Burgers.
1: They should be given. The NFL should have to cease operations and start a new league with a new name because it's Tom Brady's league now.
0: It is also funny though. Cause it's like, I also don't have that much to fucking say about it. Like we said a bunch about when he retired because his stat line was like officially complete, which was now premature, but it's not, like there's nothing to say about it until the bucks do stuff. Cause it's not like he is retiring or unretiring to like a different team. It's not like, he's going from the bucks to the Niners. And there's a whole new conversation we have about how this affects the Niners. Because there's not. Like, it's like, hey, you remember the Bucks from last year? They're the same.
1: Mm-hmm. They Their staff, it's the, the same. One player so far? And had yeah, four I, guys re-signed since then?
0: Because I was going to say, like, they have a bunch of free agents, but, like, now they're all going to sign back.
1: Yeah. Like, they literally had, like, five guys who were all, like, in, like, serious negotiations with teams, at least according to Twitter. And then only one of them signed a contract since uh, the start of free agency with another team.
0: Yeah. So it's like I I'm now out of things to say outside of fuck you,
1: <laughs> fuck yeah, you. Fuck yourself, Tom Brady.
0: This does open up the possibility, though, of what I said I really wanted to get when we talk about his retirement, which is him leaving on a low note. I I am still absolutely rooting for the low note.
1: Just we could finally see what the cliff actually is.
0: Yeah. I want I want the the final pass to be the pick six uh, in, like, week nine, and the Bucs are like, Tom, we can't keep playing you. We're so sorry. Mitchell Trubisky is com- here now.
1: In a completely selfish reasoning, Big Ben will now be the only quarterback at his Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and I, I'm so happy that that's the case because it's not just, oh, Tom Brady. And Ben Roethlisberger, it's – Ben Roethlisberger's going to a Hall of Fame.
0: How would you feel if Brady retired again before the start of the season?
1: <laughs> I'd love it because that would be hilarious, but I'm just now picturing like Aaron Rodgers saying, fuck it, I'm retiring and also being eligible, you know. That
0: would be funny. That wouldn't happen if he just signed a gigantic contract and he's not turning right. down that money. Yeah, no.
1: He has COVID. It's ridiculous how he has just truly, like, there's no arguing against the fact that he truly just is demanding headlines have his name consistently. Like, he has not allowed a week to go by without his name being forced atop the headlines of everything.
0: I know. It's annoying. Fuck him. All right. Hey, you got anything else before we get out of here?
1: Um, Go Mitch. Fuck Mitch. I love kissing titties. <laughs> Truly the greatest tweet in the history of the NFL.
0: And it's, a, it's a great tweet for great people. We all love kissing titties. The name of our other podcast where we talk about porn parodies. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Pod. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at corn Heller. you have to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Uh, if you send emails to the show, you can do so at jasonthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one.
1: All right.